0: Hi everyone, Pastor Tony here. This week for the Gospel, we're going to have a slightly different uh, set of readings in our Sunday worship here at St. Paul. Uh, We're going to be transferring and uh, commemorating, celebrating St. Michael and All Angels Day, so we'll be hearing a reading from uh, Revelations 12 within our worship. But the appointed text uh, for the normal Sunday reading still continues in the Gospel of Mark. So let's hear that now, hear a little bit more about it and take the word of God with us on this day. So uh, the gospel lectionary continues in Mark chapter 10. Some Pharisees came and to test Jesus, they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, God has what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the gospel of the Lord. So before we dig any deeper into Jesus here, we'll, we'll put the part about the little children and their welcoming on the back burner. Um, next week's gospel reading, we'll be back in Mark, and it's gonna touch a little bit more on who uh, who gets to enter and inherit and, uh, and claim and be a part of the kingdom of God and how that occurs. Um, but before we look at that, next week. Let's, let's take a moment to pause here with these words of Jesus, this test from the Pharisees about divorce and, and what we make of all of this. But before we do, I think for, um, let's call it for context, let's flip over really quick to the small catechism of Martin Luther. And, uh, and I think this will kind of uh, elucidate and give us a good example of maybe how we should perceive this reading. And so within Luther's small catechism, uh, one of the portions is looking at the Ten Commandments as a way for um, uh, Christians to catechize and instruct others on what the Ten Commandments are. So all the Ten Commandments are listed. And then Luther gives somewhat of a pithy um, additional explanation uh, to each commandment. So the Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. Okay, pretty basic. And I think we all understand um, in in a simple way what it means to not steal. Luther goes further, what does this mean? Luther says, we should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. So having that in mind, Luther's explanation to the seventh commandment about not stealing, let's go back into Mark. First of all, Jesus is uh, talking with the Pharisees. They've come up to test him. We've gotten to this struggle between him and those that are trying to uh, break him before the crowds or make him him say something that will either get himself in trouble uh, with the Romans, with the religious authorities, or with the crowds. And so they're testing Jesus. And they ask him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus responds with a question of his own. What did Moses command you? And the Pharisees speaking to him lay it out. Well, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal to divorce his wife. Jesus does not challenge the legality, um, legality both in the sense we think of it as a civil legality, nor necessarily the, the way that, you know, the community of God operates. Doesn't challenge this, but says to them, explains to them, "'It is because of your hardness of heart he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh.'" So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Or, of course, so much better. I think this this is one of those instances. Let no one tear asunder. Um, you know, looking back to those old King James translations, he explains further to his disciples: Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery um, against him. So. Jesus on divorce here, and for the, for really the, you know majority of of uh, Christendom, really, uh, divorce was a was a non-starter within the church. It was something that was not allowed. Um, there had been annulments, um, you know, this process of annulling a marriage and saying that it really wasn't. It really never happened in the first place, you know. When when marriage is considered a sacrament or a sacramental within a tradition, saying, "Well, you know, something was wrong from the get-go and it, it didn't really matter." I'm not sure how much um, I'm not sure how much Jesus would take to the idea of annulments, but clearly Jesus is um, making a point here on the practice of divorce, but I think also a larger point on what is law, what is expectation. And how should we be looking at God's counsel and will for our lives, and and living based on that? And what I mean by that is, so there there was not unanimity within the um, within the Jewish uh, rabbis of that time or, or onward about what constitutes a valid divorce. Um, some of the great rabbis said, well, you know, it just says you can grant you can get one. So if the husband wants a divorce for whatever reason, all he has to do is write a certificate. Bing bang boom, it's all good. You know, others said, no, there's really got to be a there's got to be a good reason here, um, a very good reason here, um, something that strikes at the heart of the, the covenant of marriage that was established. And that, that's the only time you can get a divorce. Um, I think what Jesus is pointing to here is whether something is um, simply plain text, does it fulfill, even if it's a biblical commandment. Does it fulfill the will that God has established for us? And I think that's where I draw in from Luther's small catechism on, you know, this seventh commandment of you shall not steal. Well, on its face, okay, we know it's wrong to steal. We know what stealing looks like. I can't see something of yours and just snatched away from you. That's stealing. Luther expands the idea, just as I think Jesus does with the idea of divorce here and, and with so many other points of law and sin and and how we understand these things interacting with our own lives. Luther says, yeah, well, you, you're not supposed to steal. What does that mean? Well, you're not going to to take away um, unlawfully and, and without um, good reason and purpose the money and possessions that belong to your neighbor. But you're also not going to go about getting them in a dishonest way. Um, so even if you trick your neighbor, even if it's legal and even if it's... Um, you know, even it's, if it's not even a trick, you're just taking advantage of them in a desperate situation or them out of their ignorance. That's a dishonest way. And in fact, you shall not steal for Luther means what? You should help to improve and protect your neighbor's possession, their income, their goods, and all that they have. So Jesus here um, talking about divorce and and talking about a point of law, I think uh, leads itself to a similar understanding for us um, in that there, are, there are, is a way in which we sometimes as Christians wrongly look at anything that we do in terms of the law, God's law, and say, well, you know, how much can I get away with? You know, sometimes there's that question implied, in that, in that question of what can I do? What is what is permissible? You know, how much can I, can I get my toe up to the line before I'm really violating something? And I think in that, um, we are reminded that that's not the way that Christians are supposed to look at anything um, in terms of how much can I get away with? How sort of bad can I be before it's really too bad? What are those words of Jesus, you know, that we are to live perfectly? Now, none of us live up to that, and we know that. But this is the will of God for us. It's not enough just to just to not steal. Um, to really fulfill the will of God, we need to be protecting and encouraging our neighbor in in their possessions. Um, it's it's not enough just to you know need a valid reason for this or or need a loophole for that. And I think Jesus, in talking about divorce here, is is giving a similar teaching. Um, if you know, husbands and wives are, are putting each other away to uh, transliterate transliterated. are divorcing and dismissing this covenant that they've made with each other for, um, for absolutely no good reason at all, um, then that's an imperfect act. If, if they're doing it, um, you know, because they—and and this is a hard one to talk about because people wind up in marriages that, that are, are bad and ones that wind up being spiritually dead— Um, And that's a problem, and and that's something we can recognize. But there's a way in which we shouldn't simply say, well, here's this thing, and it's not good, but it's okay and lawful, so I'm not going to pay any mind to it. I think the Christian vocation and the Christian life constantly calls our consciences and our hearts back to questioning and and to understanding, really, our our fallenness and, and our living in a fallen world. And that we should never take anything that's, that's happened and simply just say, well, you know, that's not bad enough. Or I had, I had good enough reason or this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's really about excuse making, um, I think, is what we should try to avoid. Because what is the standard of the will of God? Well, it's always the highest standard. No, we're not going to attain that. No, we're not always going to do it. Um, but it doesn't mean that we call bad things good and good things bad. Um, we deceive ourselves when we do that. We, we sort of retreat from the truth when we do that. Marriage is something that it should be of prominent importance to us as Christians because of its, um, its very foundation, as Jesus talks about, its foundation in sort of the way that humans have lived in a, in a natural state for uh, generation and generation and generation. Because it is the home, because it is family, because it is covenant, And because it's something that two people, especially in an era of love marriages, enter into with an intention to do it and to do it right um, for the remainder of their natural lives. And so when those marriages dissolve and break down um, for reasons that can sometimes be the issue from both partners, from reasons that can sometimes be the issue of only one, it's always a lamentable thing. And and it's always pointing us and, and showing us how we as individuals, we as a collective people, fall short of of the glory of God, and um, and just because something is something that we can do, just because it's something we have the freedom or the right to do, doesn't inherently make it a, a good thing, um, even if it was done as the least bad reason for the reason that something happens. So, I know this one is a is a you know difficult scripture for a lot of us in the church to. To hear and to, and to take in. But I think if we keep it in light of the way Luther explains the commandments, the way Jesus explains sin and and how that impacts our lives to us, then we really get a different understanding of it. And I think we can, you know, we can have the ways in which we want to order our lives and some will get divorced and re- remained chaste forever and, and think, you know, in the sense of, well, they they have done something that is irreparable um, to the point that they should no longer get married again, you know. If that's the way that their conscience is driven on that, I, I can understand that. Some say, you know, it's it's a moment to move on, and we will be remarried to other people, and and there can be good in that too. Um, there can be a lot of good in that. I've, I've seen the good in that, but but um, we should always take stock of of the pain that is also there too, and and the fact that you know. We do live in a fallen reality, and we need God. And these things all point us to the fact that we need God. Um, I guess we'll we'll wrap up there. But you can go through the scriptures, and you can find the words of Jesus, you know, pointing again and again to the ways in which none of us are perfect. You know, this portion of scripture is not matched entirely um, with another test that Jesus uh, talks about when it comes to adultery. But you know, we we are constantly engaged. Um, divorced, married, still singled in a struggle with sin. And we truly need Christ. And we truly need to understand that God's will for us is not a question of how much can I do? What can I do? How much can I get away with? It's, it's always begging us and asking us and pulling us forward to live a new and a better life, crucified with Christ, buried with Christ and risen with him through our baptism. So, With that difficult text, I'll leave it there. We'll move on in continuing in Mark next Sunday. But as I said, this Sunday, we'll talk a little bit about angels, uh, Revelation 12, the image of the way that God uses the whole orders of creation for our benefit and on our behalf as his beloved children. So with that, have a great day, have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you Sunday.